Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, cuz. Welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is. And today we're going to get small with a tiny dancer. Let's go, Jenna. How good it is. Hi there, I'm Claude Cole, and I am proud to be amongst you. And I've got some Bachman-Turner Overdrive trivia for ye. What song by that band, which made it to number one on the Billboard Hot 100, was not only never intended to be released as a single, but wasn't even meant for an album? I'll have that answer for you later on in the show. This is only the second time I have talked about an Elton John song in this podcast. Can you believe that? And Tiny Dancer is one of my personal favorites. And we're going to get into the whys of that in a little bit, to be sure. Elton John's fourth album, Madman Across the Water, was a departure from the first three in that it was... Uh, much more lushly produced than its predecessors. Elton and his writing partner, Bernie Taupin, began work on this album shortly after spending some time in the United States. Around then, they were spending a lot of time together. In fact, Taupin would accompany Elton on the tours, and he would stand uh, near the soundboard during the shows. At any rate, Taupin found himself inspired by the spirit of the women in California, who he viewed as being quite different from the women back in England. Specifically, Taupin has said that the way the women dressed in the shops up and down the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles gave him a sense of free-spiritedness with the hip-huggers and the lacy blouses, and he thought that they moved in an ethereal way. And, he said, they all wanted to sew patches on your jeans. Taupin described it as the perfect edible complex because the women wanted to mother you and then sleep with you. Now, I know some of you are saying, hey, isn't the song really about someone named Maxine? After all, under the credits for the song, there is a picture of a woman, and it says, with love to Maxine there. Well, yeah, there is, in fact, a little bit of a dispute there, because although Toppin has said explicitly that the song is about the California girls, he also said in a 1973 interview with Rolling Stone magazine that it's about his wife at that time, Maxine Feibelman. Feibelman herself has said that she knew right away that the song was about her for a couple of reasons. First, she was into ballet as a young girl, and second, because she used to sew the patches onto Elton John's jackets and jeans, which would make her the seamstress for the band. Also, let's face it, the line about marrying a music man. So the, the, the two stories, they, they can be reconciled together. He's writing about Maxine, but he was also inspired by the women in California and put together this, I don't know, kind of a 1970s version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, right? When Toppin was asked about the title, Tiny Dancer, he said it was mostly poetic license, although many of those Sunset Girls were on the petite side. Plus, it sounded better than Small Dancer or Little Dancer.
So, as I mentioned earlier, Madman Across the Water was much more produced than the first three albums. Paul Buckmaster was the person who arranged those strings. He's done arrangements for artists as diverse as Train, The Rolling Stones, and Leonard Cohen. In fact, Ron Cornelius, who has played guitar for Cohen, once said of Buckmaster that, quote, he's one of those guys who can make an orchestra talk. If the strings aren't saying something, it ain't on the record, unquote. Also notable among the other musicians on this record is the pedal steel guitar, which gives it a little bit of a country rock feel. That guitar is played by British guitarist B.J. Cole, and I think his work also gives the early parts of the song a little bit of a melancholy feel. You also have Davy Johnstone on acoustic guitar and Caleb Quay on electric guitar. Plus, there were 10 backup singers, believe it or not, including bass player D. Murray and drummer Nigel Olsen, neither of whom actually played on the record otherwise, although they were known for playing on plenty of Elton John songs. Tiny Dancer was released in 1972 and entered the Hot 100 the first week of March that year at number 85. That, in fact, was the third of the four weeks that Harry Nilsson's Without You, which we talked about a couple of episodes ago, was at the top of the chart. It took six weeks to crawl up the charts all the way to number 41, and that is where it peaked. Why, you ask? Well, there are a couple of reasons. First, Elton John still hadn't really broken through as an artist, at least not in the U.S. The song did do better in Canada, where it peaked at number 19, and in Australia at number 13. It wasn't even released as a single in the U.K., some stations here in America, they banned the song because of the line, Jesus Freaks Out in the Street, thinking that the song was mocking Christianity. But here's another pretty good reason, I think. At 6 minutes and 12 seconds, it's a pretty long record, and Top 40 Radio still just wasn't having it, especially given that the song is basically verse 1, verse 2, lead into the chorus, bridge, verse 1 again, lead in and chorus again. So some stations would play a radio edit that was only 3.45, which basically faded after the first course, thinking the rest of the record was more or less redundant. And here's where I think they missed the boat on the song's overall greatness. You see, Tiny Dancer starts off quiet and a bit slow, and as I mentioned, that steel pedal guitar gives a little bit of a sad feel. Especially when you've got Elton singing about the girl just overlooking some of the seedier parts of the strip, saying the boulevard is not that bad. But little by little, it ramps up in its intensity until you get to that third iteration of the chorus. Elton is belting out the lyrics, and he's practically pounding on the piano keys. And it's a huge cathartic moment for him and for the listeners. And when the radio stations took that away, they took away the thing that makes it great. digress just a little bit to talk about diegetic music. When you're watching a movie, there are two kinds of music, soundtrack music and diegetic music. Soundtrack music is the stuff that's going on in the background that underlines the mood of the film and the characters aren't hearing it, but you are. Diegetic music, on the other hand, is something that they do hear, whether it's, I don't know, a band in a club or music coming out of the radio 
or even someone singing in the next room. And that's important because of the catharsis thing I just brought up. You see, in the 2000 film Almost Famous, there's a scene where the fictional band Stillwater is in a very bad place as a group. There's been a lot of fighting among group members, and the lead singer has absconded to a party being thrown by a bunch of high schoolers, during which he has himself an acid-induced freakout, wherein he jumps off a garage into a backyard pool. The band's tour bus shows up the next morning to get him, and as they all pile into the bus, everyone is sitting in a very tense, morose silence. And we begin to hear Tiny Dancer on the soundtrack as the bus pulls away, and starts moving down the highway. But, in fact, it's not on the soundtrack. It's on a radio playing on the bus. And as the song progresses, one by one, the band members and the groupies begin to bop along and then start singing along with it until finally they're just all singing at absolutely the top of their lungs. It's a moment where the band has remembered the reason they got together in the first place. And Cameron Crowe, the director, has faked us into thinking it was just another bit of soundtrack music like so many of the other pop music tracks that we hear throughout the film. It's a truly genius piece of storytelling and use of music in a film. Now, to be fair, Crowe has cut the song down a little bit, but we still get the catharsis. And Kate Hudson's line near the end of the scene really puts a good button on it. I'll be linking a video on the website, but if you're a fan of rock music, you owe it to yourself to see the entire film Almost Famous. Go, go, go. I'll wait for you here. Now, that may have all sounded like a weird diversion, but the fact is Almost Famous brought Tiny Dancer back to the forefront of everyone's mind. It didn't chart again or anything like that, but it did rise in popularity to the point where Elton John began performing it regularly in his shows where previously it had been more of a sporadic thing. The fact is, it didn't always get a great reaction when he performed it live, so he didn't add it to his set list very often. Having said that, it does appear on his 1987 album, Live in Australia with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Why? Because it was a hit there, silly, remember? Anyway, Elton was pleased to see that it was used in the film and to such good effect, and in an interview with Rolling Stone in 2011, he recalled that Jeffrey Katzenberg had called him to say, there's a scene in this film which is going to make Tiny Dancer a hit all over again. So, even Elton John credits Cameron Crowe to resurrecting the song, and it's been in his set list ever since then. And while, as I said, it didn't chart again, it's been certified at over 3 million downloads in the U.S. alone and 1.2 million in the U.K. Okay, let's talk covers of the song, and there are a lot of them, but here are some of the more notable ones. I'm not going to play it here, but check out Florence and the Machines cover. That one's pretty good. But in 1990, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were performing at the Pink Pop Music Festival in the Netherlands, and John Frusciante sang an impromptu version of the chorus. He has since performed the song many times during Chili Pepper shows.
In 2008, DJ Ironic interpolated the song in a version that features the rapper Chipmunk. In this clip, you'll hear the chords from the song being used, and then, well, yeah, that is Elton John you hear. You know. In 2012 saw the formation of an Irish supergroup involving over 300 musicians who got together specifically to record the song for a charity function. They called themselves a song for Lily Mae. Now, Lily Mae Morrison was a four-year-old girl who had stage four neuroblastoma. It's a very aggressive form of cancer, and her best hope lay in treatment in a hospital that was located in the United States in Michigan. The recording was endorsed by Elton John and Bernie Taupin. The fundraiser was a huge success. The song went to number one in Ireland. And the last article that I've been able to find about her is from November of 2020. At that time, Lily Mae was 12 years old and declared to be in remission. What's more, funds that didn't go directly to Lily Mae's treatment went into neuroblastoma research. John himself teamed up with Britney Spears in 2022 for a remake of the song titling it Hold Me Closer. The song was released on August 26th of that year, although it managed to leak online about a week earlier. It's on Elton's album, The Lockdown Sessions, and it was Britney Spears' first studio recording in six years. It was also her first recording since her release from her conservatorship. In addition to Tiny Dancer, there are bits of Don't Go Breaking My Heart in it, and his song, The One. It was a top 10 song in 19 countries, including the US, the UK, Russia, Canada, most of Europe, and it went number one in Australia.
guess I would be remiss if I didn't include this hacky little bit of humor. It's from a 1996 episode of Friends. Way. The most romantic song ever was The Way We Were. Uh, see, I, I think the one that Elton John wrote for um, that guy on Who's the Boss. <laughs> what song is that, Phoebs? Um, hold me close, young Tony Danza. <laughs> And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you about the Bachman-Turner Overdrive hit that was never meant to be released either as a single or as an album cut. Ain't Seen Nothing Yet was composed by Randy Bachman when they were putting together the Not Fragile album as a kind of a working track. It was strictly instrumental at first, and over time he did this bit of stuttering his way through the track as a means of teasing his brother Gary. The band used the song in the studio as a means of warming up and ensuring that the amps and microphones were working correctly. They recorded it exactly once, intending to send that recording to Gary. But when the label thought that Not Fragile didn't really have a track that would make a good single, Bachman reluctantly played You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet for them. The band agreed to put it on the album if he could re-record it without the stutter, but when they tried, the song just didn't work. Bachman said made him sound a little bit like Frank Sinatra. Finally, they agreed to leave it as is, and that's why Bachman is sharp in some places, flat in others, and practically laughing near the end. And despite all that weirdness, it's BTO's only number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. And that, my friend, is a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, hey, you made it this far. That's got to mean something. Please take the time to share it with someone. Who knows? Maybe you'll all be inspired to raise a bajillion dollars for a worthy cause. Also, if you'd be so kind, perhaps you could even leave a rating or better get a review somewhere. And now you can support the show over at patreon.com slash how good it is. Don't forget, if you're a patron, you get a newsletter about 48 times a year, which is my little thank you for your support. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on the social medias at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash how, how good it is pod, or check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits, and I can guarantee you'll find some this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. How good it is. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.